This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. This is actually going to be our very last episode for 2020. We're going to take a little break for Christmas and for New Year's, and then we will be back in early January. But we wanted to wrap up this year by sitting down and just having a conversation about 10 things we learned in 2020. And if you can hear the background noise right now, Kirsten has some things that she wanted to say that she learned in 2020 as well. But Jesse, I just sit here and I think how, or maybe going to need to get her, but I sit here and think how our life has changed this year. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, think about as we look back on the year 2020, definitely pun intended, uh, we can see so much so many things that God has done in our, our lives that we never could have imagined. And people say, oh, hey, the 2020 is going to be ending. Good. Let's like slowly move into 2021 so it won't be as bad. But it's all in the way that you look at it. You know, it's, it, it, whether it's a bad year or a good year, it just depends on how you look at it. You can look at 2020 as being a good year. Yes, there were a lot of hard things in 2020, but I think, at least for our family, we can look back and see that there were also a lot of really important lessons, and there were a lot of beautiful, wonderful things that we learned and experienced along the way as well. So, Jesse, that goes along with our number one on our list. God gives grace for the present, not for the future. I think if we were to sum up 
2020 in one lesson, this would probably Definitely. be it. We got to see God show up in really miraculous ways on our behalf. And I was, we were just talking about this yesterday, how leading up to 2020, knowing that we were going to have a baby and you and I were having conversations. I remember thinking, how are we going to make this work? Because I work full time and you, you know, we both work in the business together. And so we're going to have this baby and we haven't had a baby for years and years and years. And we've gotten so used to having our work days be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so how are we going to make this work? And we were trying to toss around a lot of different ideas and little did we dream that we were going to have two newborns and we were going to have one that was going to need a lot of extra appointments and therapy mm -hmm. and special care. And then all the things that go along with foster care, the meetings and the appointments and the home visits and all of that, that we were going to have to keep up with. And we, if we had looked at 2020 and all that it was going to hold, I think you and I probably would have been like, well, no, let's just skip it. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> but I think we also would have thought there's no way we can do that. Right. No. Like that's just, that's too would have been much. Very, very overwhelming. And yet, as we learned, God gives grace for the present, not for the future. So we can look to the future and we can feel overwhelmed by what it seems like is coming. Or we could look at someone else's life and think, I don't know how they're doing that. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you as someone who has walked this and lived this this year, that God gives grace for exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. And we got to see him show up in such powerful ways on our behalf in those moments and those days when it felt really overwhelming and we felt like we don't have what it takes and just crying out to the Lord and saying, God, you're going to have to give me what I need for today. And also, then when you look on the backside of all of that, what at one time would have looked overwhelming, you can see how much growth that has come because of it. And because of those hard things that God gives grace to, to tackle as they come. You know, I, I was kidding that we would have skipped it, but really, how much of life would we not have lived if we had seen it coming mm -hmm. and we would have shirked it and gone around whatever that obstacle is. But when, when you meet that obstacle head on, God can give you the grace to get over it. And you realize how much stronger you are because of it. Well, and sometimes I feel like it's not even over it. It's like through crawling it. through it, mm -hmm. but he's giving you the grace for that next step to just do the next thing. And we look back and I'm so grateful that we said yes. I'm so grateful that we, you know, when they get, when they called us about um, saying yes to champ. And there was this, you know, we had to kind of grapple through what this would look like. And I was getting ready to have a baby and we had no idea that the world was going to shut down and so many things were going to change. And that was going to make things so different for months and months and months. Well, and still now, but as far mm -hmm. as foster care, it was also going to change a lot of their policies and procedures. And it was going to just really change the way that we do life. 
And yet I'm so glad that we said yes. We have we would have missed so much. Mm-hmm. And I, our hearts are forever changed because of it. I feel like also our faith has been deepened so much mm-hmm. and our trust in the Lord because we got to see him be faithful when we didn't have what it took. Right. He was faithful. And I'm just so grateful that he gives grace for exactly what you need when you need it. And you can trust him then for the future. We can trust him for whatever the future holds because we are, you know, our home is opened again and we don't know what that's going to look like when it comes to foster care. And we're just trusting God that he knows what the future is going to hold. And we don't have to worry about tomorrow or next week or next year because he's in control and he's got this. Our second lesson, Jesse, this was your lesson. And it goes kind of right along with the first lesson. (laughs) That I can thrive on less sleep than what I realized. I've always been somebody that has usually had to have more sleep than not. Seven to eight hours is roughly what I would usually get every night. But with Champ, I was getting up two, three times a night. It's probably hitting five hours of sleep a night for a good eight months. And I did well. I just kept waiting for you to crash because mm-hmm. I, I am one that I need. I need is probably the wrong word. I am one that does better if I have close to seven hours of sleep, but I can have it be broken up and I'm okay with that. Just as long as it cumulatively is seven hours most of the week, Mm -hmm. you know, I can have a five and a half hour night or something, but, but you're always, you've always been one who you really, really, really need that solid seven to eight hours, sometimes Mm -hmm. even nine hours, I would say once or twice a week in order to function well. And somehow, some way, again, going back to point number one, God giving the grace where just every single night you got up with him after Kirsten was born. And you did that Mm -hmm. and you kept going and you seem to have so much energy. And, you know, I know there were times when you were tired, but for the most part, then you would have to get up early. And a lot of times you'd have to drive to downtown Nashville and take him for appointments and Mm -hmm. you just kept going. And it was just really incredible for me to see that. And I'm, I'm glad the last, I feel like the last two weeks you've gotten to get caught back up on your sleep and you've enjoyed that. But I think for you to know, oh, wow, I can function on a lot less sleep. Not that you're recommending it to people, but it's what God had and you were able to do it. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by that. And all during that time, I was also using my my whoop strap that was tracking my some very statistics and sleep and things. And yeah, it was the recovery that I experienced during that time and was actually pretty good. And I was pretty surprised by that. It's kind of like the parable of the five loaves and the two fish and where the little boy gave them to Jesus and he multiplied them to feed thousands. And I was thinking how, you know, we can give God our, this is how much sleep that I'm able to get tonight. And I'm just going to trust you that you're going to multiply it to be enough for me. And, and he was so faithful. Well, a lesson that I learned was that I can have a baby 
without having postpartum depression. And that is amazing. With the other three, I really, really struggled for months after. And I didn't even realize how bad it was because I think it was just so bad that I wasn't even capable of recognizing I'm in a very bad place. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know any better because no one had really clued us into postpartum depression. And I feel like when our first three were born, it was such a full, full season of Mm -hmm. our lives and you were working so many hours. And so I think both of us, it just, it was, it was just a dark time in our lives. And so for me to have Kirsten and us to also have champ at the same time, and yet I didn't have postpartum depression. That was the grace of God. And there were definitely moments when I felt it coming on. And I think this time around, I, you know, we had decided ahead of time, I was going to be very, very aware of what I was feeling Mm -hmm. and then be able to express that to you. And so in those moments when I started to feel kind of that anxiety rising up in me, I would just, which is hard for me, but I just come to you and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not in a good place and something needs to change Mm -hmm. because this could turn into something really bad really quickly if we don't change something. And so a lot of that was me making sure that I was getting enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you got up in the night and helped out because there's no way that I could have had both babies and been able to then function during the day and work and all of that. And so I think that was huge though, that we're both on the same page, how we approach this, because I was fully on, on board with you because it was such a terrible experience with the previous one, if not two, that we knew that, Hey, we, this needed to be nipped in the bud as soon as possible. And that we both needed to make the changes necessary so that you would thrive during the uh, postpartum time. And I've been very pleasantly surprised with how well you have done. And I really think that a lot of that has to do with one, getting sleep two, us both being on the same page and me being willing to acknowledge when I started to feel that anxiety rising up in me. But I think the biggest thing probably was also the changes that have happened internally in my heart and that there's been a lot of deep heart work that God has done in the last 10 years. And I think how I'm approaching mothering and all of life Mm -hmm. from this very restful place and not me trying to feel like I need to micromanage everything or I need to attain a certain goal. And so giving myself that grace Mm -hmm. to just do the best that I can do, trust God with the rest. So if that meant that, I let a lot of things go for a lot of weeks, especially during that recovery period. That's what it meant. And it was okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful. And it was just really encouraging to me because I didn't, I didn't know if it would be possible. And I think also, you know, taking care of myself. um, I think two of the things that I did this time that I never had done before was getting up every morning and exercising and getting a shower and getting dressed. Now I did exercise pretty consistently some in, in my postpartum period with, I think not with, with Catherine, but I would say with Caitlin and Silas, but I then usually after I would exercise, I would just 
it was like, then I, you know, wear my exercise clothes the rest of the day and mm-hmm. things. And, and I feel like this time just saying, even though it feels like there's so many other things that need to be done, I'm going to prioritize this little bit of, um, I don't know if you want to call it self-care or what you want to call it, but knowing that that's going to make such a difference for me to just mm-hmm. say, I'm going to exercise, get a shower and get dressed. There's something for me about getting a shower, getting dressed for the day that changes my outlook and gives me so much more energy. And I also feel like when I do that, it says, okay, I'm going to approach my day with intentionality versus Mm -hmm. if I just wear my sweats and don't look in the mirror, I feel like there's this tendency to just kind of (laughs) be a slob. I mean, I don't know. And it's not, I, I, I think you're pretty accurate. It's not like when I had the younger three, I was just laying around doing nothing, but it's just, I felt like I was just kind of chasing my tail a lot of the time. And so mm-hmm. I was just, you know, and, and obviously it's in a different season of life because I had three younger ones, but I look back and I think, what if I had been more intentional? And I also think that my exercise back then was very much focused on, I need to lose, lose the pregnancy weight. I need to lose the pregnancy weight. And that was like this this driving force. And this time around, I have just very much said, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to eat when I'm hungry. I'm going to try to make mostly healthy choices, but I'm not going to work so hard to try to lose pregnancy weight. I'm going to focus on being healthy as a person. And so I feel like that's also made probably a big difference in my recovery as well. And doing pelvic floor therapy, I feel like that was a huge thing for me to just invest in my health. All right. Number four on our list is a lesson that we learned in 2020. Foster care is brutal, but beautiful. And we've touched on this some, but I think that we, you just don't know what it's going to be like going into something. You take the classes, you can talk to people, you can read books, you can watch videos, you can follow people on Instagram, but until you've experienced it yourself, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think probably each situation has its own beauty, you know, and all the the conversations we're having with, with all these different foster parents and their experiences, you know, our experience is different. And their experience has been beautiful in other ways than how ours is. But it's still, you you take the beauty out of what you've been given. And I feel like one of the beautiful things for me was seeing our three older kids and seeing their hearts Mm -hmm. and seeing them kind of rise to the occasion of loving on this little boy and loving him just like their brother. And and not even just like their brother. Like, to them, he's their brother. Yep. And in fact, whenever Catherine, she went and spoke at this youth group not too long ago, and she was talking about foster care because they'd asked her to come speak on um, how foster care had impacted her life. And she kept talking about her brother. And I said, honey, you're going to have to clarify that a little bit because for those people, it's not they're not going to know instinctively when you're talking about your brother that you're actually talking about champ whom we're fostering. And uh, she said, but mom, he's my brother. So it's just really beautiful to see their hearts. And then also brutal to 
walk through the grief and loss with them mm-hmm. and of saying goodbye to him and that depth of loss that they'd never experienced before. I think as a mom, it wasn't just me saying goodbye to my son. It was also me walking through this goodbye with my other kids and with you and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and thinking, I, I don't know how to do this. There's no, you know, handbook on how you walk through this well. And to just crying out to the Lord and saying, God, help me to know how to love my kids and what do they need and how can I make sure that they kind of have the closure that they need and just really crying out to him and praying for wisdom. But I think they have so much more compassion and empathy for other people going through loss and they will in the future because of walking through this. But I think they also have a very different perspective of people in general because of walking through this. And I think they have so much more compassion for maybe people who are struggling and how it's so easy for us to pass judgment or criticism on people when we don't know their whole story. We haven't walked in their shoes. And so walking this journey with Champ and his mom has, I feel like, changed our perspective on so many things and given all of us a better heart to love well. Mm -hmm. Well, number five is a big one for me. Uh, Turning 40 is not a terrible thing. And uh, as some of you know, I turned 40 this year and actually get a physical every year. And I'm pleased that I'm probably in the best health that I've been in quite a long time based on lab numbers and all. So, Which I was thinking is kind yeah. of crazy because this was the year that you got the least amount of sleep and That's probably, true. That's true. probably like went at a pace that was, I mean, I don't know. I feel like probably this was the most stretching year you've yeah, ever I would say so. had. Well, no. Okay. I, I take the uh, stretching in certain regards as far as like, lack of sleep and mm-hmm. um probably maybe some emotional i don't know it was probably the most emotionally stretching year that i've had since in the 90s yeah so turning 40 is not a terrible thing yeah i think i'm i'm so glad that you've gone so far ahead of me like you know cuz you're way older than me so i'm yeah, glad I'm- it's it's been it's been really great for me to watch it. I mean, I can, you're so far ahead of me that it's hard for me to even see I know, you, it's, it's, but, but I'm trying to clear a path for you. Got that snow plow that's you know, pushing the snow away that, that way you can make it through. So in it's a, not that bad in a long, long time from now, when <clears throat> next October, when I turn 40, I am so happy that you've gone ahead of me. And, and honestly, for me, I, I don't know. I mean, yes, 40 sounds it's just a number. I, I feel like I am much younger than that in my head. But then I look at the life and I, that we've lived and the things that we've done and the fact that we have an almost 16-year-old. And I'm like, okay, yes, I am older than 17. I feel like 17 was kind of the number that once I turned 17, I kind of got stuck on that number. Hmm. And now I'm like, okay, probably, yes, I need to admit that I'm older than, and it's not, it's just that I feel like I 
I don't know. I, I feel when I'm with the teen girls at youth group, I just kind of feel one of them that I'm yeah. thinking they probably think I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is when I look and I see these young couples that are getting married or just had a baby and I'm like, they look so young. I'm like, oh, that probably means that I'm getting old. Or when you look at them and say, I remember when they were born. Yes. <laughs> Weren't you just two? I thought you were just two. How are you, how are you getting married? You were two. Yes. Well, number six is for me, and it is that I am not the workaholic that I once was. This is a big takeaway for me this past year because I had my first ever maternity leave. And this, that might also, I feel like that probably played into oh, the part of depression as well. In the, the other, with the other three babies, the other three babies, the other three kids, they're no longer babies. The other three, when they were babies, I really started right back to work as soon as I had them. And by that, I mean, I, I don't even think I took 24 hours off and mm-hmm. I was back on my computer, back posting deals. I didn't have a team that was, that were helping me. And so it was all just me and we were very much dependent upon that income as well back then. And so it was such a gift this year for me to be able to take a six week maternity leave and to really be able to just enjoy it. And I I did a little bit. I did Instagram story. I answered some emails, that sort of thing. But there was no expectation or obligation Mm -hmm. on me. And I think what I learned from that time is that my team does a really great job of running the business and they don't need me as much as maybe I felt like they did. And ever since then, I feel like I have, yes, I've gone back to working more you know, close to 40 hours a week, but I used to work a lot more than 40 hours a week. And I haven't logged my time, but I think that I'm probably about 40 hours-ish a week, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, but that's spread out over seven days and it's kind of in little bits and pieces here and there. And so it feels so doable and it feels calm for the most part and not this overwhelming, constant, almost like beast that I have chasing me of all this work that I need to do. And I'm just so grateful. And I'm grateful how God has changed my heart to not find my worth in my work or my purpose in my productivity. And that I feel like what I'm doing is really giving me life and not some heavy weight that I'm carrying around. And so that was a big lesson for this year. And the most interesting thing is I've worked a lot less, but we actually had one of our best years. Actually, as far as we know, we we didn't back in the day before I had a team, I didn't do spreadsheets and track all the things. So <laughs> we don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that this is as far as when we went to do our taxes is going to be one of the, or the best year that we ever had. And so it was just a gift for me to realize you don't have to work crazy hours in order to still have a successful business. And yes, that is years of in the making, but at the same time, I feel like this year I realized that there was a whole lot of stuff that I was doing that was just busy work 
and I've streamlined and just really focused on those few things that one, bring life, two, make an impact, and three, really change the bottom line. And so focusing on those things and letting all the other things go. I hate to admit this, but number seven is that audiobooks really are amazing. See, I didn't write this down. We're just passing a notebook back and forth. And I didn't realize that this is what Crystal was going to write for number seven. You said that this was something. So I, I mean, I kind of helped come up with this, but can we have the sound effects? Like the. the... Um, let's see. The... That was not the one I was going to choose. Where's that? <laughs> wah, wah. There we go. That was not the sound effect I was looking for. <laughs> but you you did have a big change of heart when it came to audiobooks. Yes. Yes. I found that they actually are fun to listen to. And it's a good way for me to spend my time driving and learning things. And you actually listened to, I think, more audiobooks I than I did this year. I, I had trouble... I want to get back to listen to audiobooks. I had trouble just with everything this year. I I really had trouble wrapping my head around being able to listen to them because there was not a lot of quiet to be able to do that. And I don't drive in the car much. You do a lot of driving. So I need to get back to that. You are inspiring and motivating and maybe convicting me. Number eight was mine, and that is I'm more extroverted. Than I realized 2020 definitely taught me that. And I think with us being, I don't want to say stuck at home, um, but for weeks and weeks and weeks, we stayed at home. Stuck just sounds so negative. And um, there were a lot of gifts in being able to be home. Mm-hmm. But after weeks and weeks and weeks of everything being canceled and being home all the time, except for to go out to doctor's appointments. That's literally all I was going out for. I just missed people. And I remember even after, I think it had been four weeks of me not getting out at all, except for some doctor's appointments. And we went to the pediatrician and I sat there and I think I talked to her for 30 minutes and I was just like, (laughs) it was just so nice to talk to another human and be in the same room as them. And so I think that for me, just realizing I am an introvert, I'm a high introvert, but people bring me life and what a gift people are. And I think I've realized how much I took for granted things of going to church and being in community with people and getting together with friends and being able to go to a baseball game or have a Bible study or be in a small group, things like that. I took it for granted. And I feel like because of this year, I am appreciating those things so much more. The ninth one is teaching your teen to drive is not as difficult as we thought. So Catherine has a goal of getting her driver's license by her 16th birthday. I think you're still trying to process yeah. that one because yeah, it's, it's, it's coming right up really the soon. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we're kind of in the mode of get as much driving in as we can. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's actually been kind of fun. It's been fun to see her learn new skills and to really thrive and to learn a confidence that she's uh, a newfound confidence, I would say. Definitely. She has a newfound confidence and 
I can just tell that it's something she's really enjoying and excited about. And I love that. But she's also being careful mm-hmm. and she's very meticulous and, but also very driven. No pun intended. No pun intended. And I've loved getting to be a little part of it by, I've only gone out with her not as many times as you, but I, I feel like it's something that I didn't expect that we were actually going to enjoy doing it. Now, maybe it's because Catherine's personality. I'm just thinking <laughs> Caitlin might be a different story because she's, I don't know. I think, I think all our kids will be good drivers. I was just thinking uh, those drivers that are in the driving schools, you know, they have like three or four teenagers in the car while they're teaching them how to drive. I cannot imagine the floorboard of that vehicle and how many brake pedals are on the passenger side. <laughs> I cannot imagine having that be your job. Oh, I know. To take a teen who you don't know Especially anything that you about. Don't know. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like with Catherine, I know she's very, you know, I, I know that she's careful and meticulous and thoughtful and all of that. And even then, it's still like, I'm not in control, you know, mm-hmm. like when she's, when we get into busy traffic and it's just everything that I can do to just stay calm, mm-hmm. stay calm, stay calm. Cause I just want to be like, I think she's too close to that car. You know, you just yeah. feel it. And I'm thinking if it was a child that you didn't even yeah. know that you had no trust relationship built up and with, you don't I know how they learn and yes. you don't know how to coach them. So yeah, it's, I don't know if that's a very effective way, but I've heard it. It's pretty successful. So finally, number 10. I think one of the greatest lessons that we learned this year was we really like each other. <laughs> and we talked about this somehow whenever it was quarantine and there was a safer at home provision and we were everything, everything, but doctor's appointments were canceled, was canceled in our life. You know, we're like, well, we grew up and we were homeschooled. We lived, our family lived out we, in the country. We, we didn't get out other than for church and music lessons. And we were just, I was kind of like, I've been prepping for this my whole life. But because we have our own business and right. because we have homeschooled the kids before and because we've traveled together a lot and, you know, spent a lot of time as a family, it wasn't this huge upheaval of everything. Now, having all the activities canceled and kind Mm -hmm. of everything there, that was a big change. But I think it was just encouraging for my heart to see our three older kids having so much fun together. And sure, they, you know, there were the arguments and you and I had to ask forgiveness of our kids because we didn't handle something correctly and we, you know, got irritated or whatever. But Overall, we have such sweet memories of this last year. And I think for you and I to have walked the having a new baby plus fostering together, I think it knit our hearts together closer. Mm -hmm. And I think for us to realize how much we really like each other. And yes, we've been working from home together for a number of years. And I feel like this year, we spent a lot more time at home, but we didn't get tired of each other. Yep. And it's funny how now, you know, the few days that you um, subbed at schools, so then you were gone. Or sometimes when you were in Nashville for hours at appointments, I just wanted to just talk to you. I felt like we're so used to, we just kind of talk about everything throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And, and if I didn't, 
talk to you for half a day, it would feel like there's so much that happened that I need to tell you about. And when you were subbing at school, I couldn't call you to tell you. <laughs> and, and I just missed you. And I'm so grateful for the gift of that. And, and I'm grateful that we like each other. And I'm just so thankful for you, Jesse, and getting to do life with you. And I think this year, 2020, gave me new appreciation for you. Seeing you make so many sacrifices to do this foster care thing and so many sacrifices for me as I was recovering and also from birth and then also you know, caring for newborns. And then earlier in the year when I was writing my book and then later in the year when I was editing my book, you just made so many, 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 many sacrifices and you loved so well. And I just am so grateful for the gift of being married to you. And I think that was, other than seeing the grace of God in my life, my biggest takeaway was just that I have such a gift in you. And I don't want to take that for granted. Thank you. And I wanted to close out this year of podcast and this episode, which is reading something. I wrote this on Instagram the other day. And as I think of 2020 and I think what encapsulates this year, and I know for a lot of you, it was a really, really hard year and you experienced loss you probably have a lot of unknowns that you're facing. And I just want to encourage you, like we said at the beginning, that trust God. He is so faithful. We've seen him be so faithful. And this is what I wrote on Instagram. That's just really where my heart is. And I hope it encourages you. In the midst of the hard and the heavy We've had so many heartwarming moments and hilarious memories. I've seen the older three develop much closer bonds with each other. I've watched them pour into and love on Champ and Kirsten. We've learned to appreciate so many seemingly little things in life that we used to take for granted. And we've all laughed more together this year than we probably ever have. Yes, 2020 was a stretching year, but I think our hearts are bigger our love is stronger and our gratitude is deeper because of it. And so I just want to encourage you as you look back on this year, yes, I am sure that there were some brutal things, but look also, what were the beautiful things? I am sure that there were some very hard things, but also what were the heartwarming things? We'd love to hear from you. What were the lessons that you learned in 2020? Send a message to crystal at moneysavingmom.com and tell us what you are reflecting on as you look back on 2020. And we will see you back again in a few weeks as we embark on another year, 2021. We have no idea what it holds, but we're trusting God and excited for the future. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 